talk about wrestling with God today, and I think that's probably the perfect topic for me right now, probably with all of the transition that we're going through, because if, if I could be so transparent with you to say that I don't always want to do it God's way, you know, maybe you're like that, or maybe you're better than me, but I, I don't always want to do it God's way, and I found it so much in my life that because I want to take a left, and God wants me to take a right, that we end up wrestling with each other, ultimately seeing which one of us is going to submit. And, and so I want to talk about, in Genesis 32, uh, this story where Jacob, he literally, physically wrestles with the Lord. And, and this is especially exciting for me to talk about today because I've, I've been preaching, I did the math on this, and all together I've been preaching for about seven years, and I don't know how, but I've never preached directly from this passage, unless it just slipped my mind, but I don't think I ever have. And so I'm really excited to talk about it today, and maybe the Lord's just been withholding it until just when I needed it the most. Um, and so let's, talk, let's just read this passage, and then I want to talk about it. So you're in Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22. 32, 22. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his eleven sons, and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of his injury to his hip. So this is a pretty bizarre story, right? Right off the bat, you're like, what on earth? Jacob, is he's hanging out, he sends his wife and his family and all his stuff, he sends that on ahead, and he's left here at the camp alone, And this man comes and begins to wrestle him, right? This is like the strangest story. And they begin to wrestle and they wrestle all night long until the break of dawn until finally the man like rips his tendon out of his hip or something to where he makes it to where he's limping away from from this battle. And so it's a really strange story, but I think there's so much in it that I want to talk about today. And, and um, so the first thing I want to talk about is why I believe that Jacob would have even had a need to wrestle with God. And you need to know that Jacob wasn't always the Bible hero that maybe we've depicted him as. Okay, um, because uh, that's kind of the way it is with us and with the people we read about in the Bible um, because of the grace of Jesus um, and the Holy Spirit, we remember some of these great men and women of the Bible by the great things that they did in the name of the Lord, not in the things that they did before the Lord, right? 
And so I want to talk about Jacob because do you remember how he received his blessing in the first place from his father? His brother was Esau. Let's jump over uh, five chapters, six chapters back in Genesis 27. And I just, this is relative. We need to understand this about this wrestling match, this uh, WWE cage match between Jacob and uh, the Lord. And so let's talk about how they got there. And so let's just, I'm going to fly through this real quick, but look at uh, uh, Genesis 27. And this is talking about Jacob, okay, or Jacob. Um, one day when Isaac was old and turning blind, that's his dad, he called for Esau, which is the older son. He said, my son, yes, father, Esau replied, I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. So take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it in here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebecca, okay, overheard what Isaac said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare a delicious meal, then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now my son, listen to me, do exactly as I tell you. Go out into the flocks, bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Okay, goat casserole. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau, he's a hairy man. The, the name Esau literally means hairy. If you want to name your baby that, don't. Um, it's prophetic, and that child will have problems. <laughs> um, so, and I will come to the baby shower and bring him Gillette razors. <laughs> Esau is a hairy man, and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him, and then he'll curse me, Instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebecca took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including the freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said, Yes, my son. Isaac answered, Who are you, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, It's Esau, your firstborn. Uh, I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat so you can give me your blessing. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to the point. Isaac asked, uh, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path. Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's. But the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son, Esau? He asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac's son, now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I'll give you my blessing. So Jacob took of the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer. I would have started with the wine. I think the wine's a starting place to fool, to fool somebody. <laughs> then Isaac said to Jacob, please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when, when, Isaac, um, when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced. And he blessed his son. And uh, he said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has 
blessed. So, so he, he, I know that's a long story, but I wanted you to get it because you need to understand what was happening with Jacob here. And, and what, this is just a few chapters before this, this, this wrestling match that we're talking about. And this is, that's who Jacob was, okay? The name Jacob in Hebrew, it literally means heel or deceiver, okay? So again, not a great baby name. If you're trying to cancel, knock some off your lift, Jacob, Jacob's not the one to do that. But when I read that and I understood that Jacob, he was a deceiver, I thought, I can relate to that. And maybe you're thinking you can't because you've never really considered yourself a, a, a pathological liar or something like that before. But, but I have been. But I, I have been in the same way that Jacob was. I spent a good portion of my life trying to steal someone else's identity. Trying to be like someone else to receive a blessing. Covering my arms with hair and trying to beat other people to the dinner table with my food. Right? Haven't you done that before? When, it, when, we, when he's called a deceiver, I don't know that it's so much because he deceives others or because he's deceived himself, mm-hmm. right? Because he, all he wants is the blessing, so he'll become like whoever he needs to to inherit the blessing. And if you don't think that's the case, then you don't spend any time on social media. <laughs> that's what everyone's trying to do is inherit the blessing, covering their, their arms with hair and looking like it, everybody else. <laughs> And just trying to make it to where, please, let me fool you and wear someone else's clothes and cover my arms with hair so that I could receive the blessing that was intended for someone else. That's what we spend our lives doing, deceiving the same way that Jacob was doing here. And and, and ultimately, it's just because he's trying to find his own identity. He's trying to find his own blessing. In this time period, of course, it was the custom that that everything the father had would go to the oldest son. So to be the second-born son, flat out, it was a tough gig. I mean, right off the bat, you're like, man, this, I've not been handed the best hand in this, right? And so uh, he's searching to steal a blessing from, from anyone so that he can have an identity. And, and, and have you not done that too? You know, Have you not searched in the wrong places, tried to become like other people, tried to beat other people to the dinner table, do what they were doing but do it better? Right? It'd be too hard to just do my own thing. What are you doing? Let me do it better and get there before you. Right? That's called business. Right? That's, that's, that's what everyone's trying to do to get ahead, is they're trying to Jacob Esau. All right? And so, but in chapter 32, where, where we were at, I had to go back so that you could understand this. Jacob is headed now to see his brother. That's where he's in route to when we pick up in this story in chapter 32, verse 22. You need to know that he's in route to see the brother in which he stole the blessing from. Okay, so you think holidays are rough with your family? You never pass the mashed potatoes to someone who stole everything from you. All right, so he's a little bit nervous about this. Wouldn't you be? Right, I'm headed to see the man whom I took everything from. Right, and so, you know, this, this wrestling happens between... Jacob and, and God. And, and let me tell you something, and, and if you disagree on this, we can still be friends. And I don't even want to hear why you disagree. It's okay. You can still come to this church and everything. <laughs> but don't, just keep it to yourself if you disagree with me. But I, 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 don't believe, I don't believe this is an angel. I don't believe this is an angel that Jacob's wrestling. And the reason I, believe, I don't believe that is just because of all the other times that the Bible talks about angel encounters, it just doesn't seem 
synonymous with this encounter. And so I don't believe this is an angel. I believe it's Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, you're, if you know a little bit about the Bible timeline, you're going to go, you're off your rocker. <laughs> Jesus is born in a manger a few thousand years later. But the thing of it is, is when we go back to Genesis, we understand that all of God has always been here. Mm-hmm. Right? It says we made them in our image. It's like, what is this plural? We are God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They've existed. And God became a child, you know, as Jesus, to be born in a manger. But he's always existed. So when I see this man wrestling here, this is Jesus to me. And if you think it's an angel, that's cool. That's not going to change the story for you at all. But, but when I know, when I believe that is Jesus, I really relate to this story. Because I go, oh yeah, I have definitely wrestled with Jesus in my life. And so, yeah, um, it, another reason why I think that is that Jacob even named this place that he had seen the face of God here. And again, that, that doesn't seem synonymous to me with an encounter with an angel. Um, but So I believe that, that he was wrestling Jesus here on the way to wrestle his brother. Okay? And I found that a lot of times God will wrestle with you before you're about to wrestle with something else. Okay? So he's not doing all right. He's not doing all right. He's worried. He's afraid. He's fear-struck. He's alone at this camp. And that's when he encounters God. Just so you know, when he told his messengers to tell his brother that he was coming, Esau prepared an army to meet him of about 400 people. This is not a warm welcoming. He has a re... Oh, oh Jacob's coming? Oh, I got something for him. Boys? Remember that guy I told you about? Took everything from me? Tricked my daddy? Get ready. He's on his way. You know, this, so, you know, Jacob is so scared that he does what any, you know, good man would do. He sends his wife and children children. (laughs) on ahead. Go without me. Uh, They won't kill you, surely. You know, go go on, go on. And, and, And so he's left here alone at the camp and you know if you've ever been about to wrestle something or you ever know you ever have something pending like the night or the day after or even a few days and it just like it just like kills you like you're in anticipation for it especially if it's something like you don't want to do like a difficult conversation like maybe it's like friday and you're a boss and you're gonna have to fire somebody on monday or something you're like oh and it just keeps you you ever had where you wrestle with that sort of stuff like anxiety and fear and stress about something that's upcoming or maybe it's even something that's like really not that big of a deal, but it is to you. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you're strange. <laughs> so, we all are. You know, I believe that's where Jacob's at here. I know he is. He sent everything there. He's here. He's wrestling before Jesus ever gets in this. Okay? He's already wrestling against fear and anxiety and stress. And look at verse uh, 23. We're in 32, 23. I want to just talk about this one verse real quick. It says, After taking them to the other side, that's his family and everyone, he sent over all his possessions. He, he, he even sent, it says in, in the back, we won't look at it though, but it says even how many goats and how many sheep and all, he, everything. He sent everything that he's acquired. Go on ahead of me, go on, and he's left alone. And I think there's something really special in that for us because when he gets rid of everything, and he's alone, it's then that he meets God. Mm-hmm. Right? 
And I found that that's always how it works. And if you want to get something today, I want you to write this down. If you want to get in the express lane to meet Jesus, you have to have 10 items or less. I have seen this true in my life. You want to be in the express lane? You want to see? You want to encounter God? You want to see the face of God? You want to be forever changed? You want to receive a new identity? You need to send it all ahead, and you need to hang back. You need to get rid of all the distractions, all the possessions, all the family. You need to be alone, and it's there when you're alone that the Lord will meet you. I've been on this kick for like three or four months where it's like every time people call me or text me, and they're like, needing any sort of advice or counseling or anything, I'm just, I can't get out of the same advice for three months. I'm just like, are you getting alone with the Lord? Like before I even, I mean, these people go to church, so I'm not going to say before I tell them to go to church, but they already go to church, but I'm saying, that's nice. Are you getting alone? Are you getting Because you're not going to wrestle God here. There's no room, right? There's too much going on, and you're going to have to be alone if you want to wrestle with Him, Okay? You, you, he can start here. He can put you in a little, little, little chicken wing lock back here. This is, this is the conviction you feel on Sunday morning. Like, oh, I really should make a change. I should. I should, but it'd be okay, right? But when you get alone, I'm talking full Nelson. I'm talking armbar, chokehold. You will submit when you get alone. Okay, and so he gets rid of everything. And now that he is at the camp alone with nothing, God's going to deal with him. Okay, so they begin to wrestle. And I don't know if you know anything about wrestling or not. And I promise you with with everything I've got, if we had a little more room. (laughs) Jesse Caban wasn't working in the kids ministry. I will show you what I'm talking about. Okay, (laughs) but I don't know if you know anything about wrestling. But the goal of wrestling is to get the other to submit. To get the other, to, to get the shoulders on the mat, right? To get the, the one becomes admitting I'm stronger than you, and I have made you submit to my ultimate will. Okay, so they're wrestling all night long, and neither giving in, right? It says all night long, neither giving an inch, and then finally the Lord goes, "Okay, let me help you out a bit." All right, and that's where he touches his hip. Okay, he help, he he hurries the process a little bit. Okay, we've been wrestling here for twelve hours. And you are so stubborn that let me just help you a little bit. Let me tell you what. The Lord has helped me a lot in this same way. He has ripped so many tendons out of my body that I can't even explain it to you. Because how many of you know that sometimes if you won't willingly submit to his will, sometimes he will press you in such an angle that you won't have too much of a choice. Okay? That's the story of how this church got planted. Was that we were wrestling with the Lord and finally he put me in an arm bar. Okay, we, we were at another church and we were youth pastor and things were going well. <laughs> Everything's going good. And then we felt we need to go somewhere. The Lord wants to call us to plant a church. But I want it to be a city that I feel like doesn't have just a simple gathering of, of a church like the way that I felt like the Lord spoke of it in Acts. And I said, okay, well, we'll do it. We'll pray about it. I felt like it was going to be in Texas. I don't know why. I just like Texas. We watched, <laughs> we watched a lot of Fixer Upper. And... <laughs> Thank you. We wanted we we wanted to go to we wanted to go to Waco and um, be on the show and this is the transition. 
This is the transition. <laughs> so, um, that's where we were at. And we're just sort of, you know, whatever. You know, we had, we had good intentions. You guys do too, right? You Don't you have stuff right now that you kind of want to do? And you know the Lord wants you to do it. But you don't really in any hurry to do it because... He doesn't currently have you in a chokehold, right? Okay, well, that was us, and we're like, and it wasn't a long process. It wasn't like years where we, it was like a, a month or two. We're like, yeah, we should plant a church. This would be good. That would be a good idea. And so we prayed, and we fasted. We were looking, where, where is this church you want us to be at? And then finally, things start happening. Um, the church we were at, they started going in a different direction. Not a bad direction or anything, just different, different from us. It's like, oh, this is a weird shift. This doesn't feel at all like where we're getting shifted. But I guess we'll go. And then I, and then I started thinking, well, if we're going to go somewhere, I wouldn't leave the, this youth group. You know, I don't think that's right. I said, even, even David made sure someone watched over his sheep whenever he left. I said, somebody's going to shepherd these sheep. All of a sudden, another pastor gets raised up. I go, hmm. Like, Do you think you could? Yeah, I'd love to be the youth pastor. That, that happened. Then all of a sudden, we're renting somewhere. And we get a phone call. Our landlord's selling our house. Like now. He's like, hey, I'm showing it in a few hours. Like I'm selling it. Like it's gone. You're, you don't have anywhere to live. Well, huh. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, this is a development. I think, babe, I think we're planning a church a little sooner than I thought. We started looking everywhere. I mean, we, were, like, we literally looked in the whole county, like all of Murray County, like, Everywhere from Mount Pleasant to Columbia to Spring Hill to like anywhere, just finding something for rent. Nothing. Nothing. We're getting down to it. I'm like, huh, so we're going to be homeless. You know, this is crazy. And then all of a sudden, all these things start happening. If you know the story of how we got here, um, you know, I felt like the Lord gave me the word that we were to go back to where we started or where, I, where he found me was the word. Stephen, go back to the place where I found you. And I put my thinking on that and I thought, Okay, well, that's got to be Lebanon for a bunch of reasons. I thought that was Lebanon. Anyways, we go to Lebanon. It wasn't Lebanon. We're on our way home. We're like all distraught. What are we going to do with our lives? Uh, arm bar. <laughs> and we just decided to take an alternate route home. And we pass through Chapel Hill. And we go into a grocery, the grocery store here. And I look at Lauren. And I go, where on earth is this? And she said, this is Chapel Hill. And I said, this is where we're planting the church. I don't know why, but this is the first place where I've been where he let me go. <laughs> I was walking around the Rex's and I was like, Lauren. Where is this? <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't felt like this in months. <laughs> you know? And, and, and I thought, this is it. We're going to plant a church here. So anyways, long story short, within like three days, we found a place to live for exactly what we could afford. We moved in. We signed a lease without any money. We had keys given to us. We were moving, packing our stuff before we even wrote a check. A few days later, we found somewhere to meet as a church. And you know, you know the rest. Isn't that crazy? But it all happened through wrestling. Wrestling's not bad. You think about this story and you go, oh gosh, I don't want to ever encounter the Lord. No, you do. There's going to be some really good stuff from it. There's going to be a new identity to come from it. Right? And so it's, it's, really, it's really special. That's how we got here. And, and, and um, maybe you've encountered this before. Like Maybe you're like supposed to leave a job, but you just won't, and you won't, and you won't. But you know you're supposed to, and then all of a sudden, now it's mandatory overtime. Mm-hmm. Or they hire a new boss. And he has no idea what they're doing, or she has no idea what they're doing. That's an arm bar. Okay? If you won't move, sometimes you'll experience those sort of things. But finally, finally he submits. Jacob submits to the Lord's will, and he demands a blessing, a blessing of his own. I don't want to steal one anymore. I don't want to be like somebody else. I don't want to ride off somebody else's coattails. He said, I want my own blessing. 
And so he receives a new name. And, and just as we all do when we submit to the Lord's will over our life, we receive this new identity. We become a new person. He says, no longer are you a deceiver, Jacob. No longer are you the heel, Jacob. You're the head. You'll be called Israel, which means God fights. Meaning, because you fought against me, okay, now I'm going to fight for you. Because you wrestled and you submitted to my will. And that's what I found is when you stop fighting against God, he starts fighting for you. Right? There's, I think that's the only two relationships we can really have with God. Are we fighting against him or is he fighting for us? Right? And so when they're in this wrestling and he's going back and forth, finally he submits and I believe that the Lord starts fighting for him. And so when this happens, we become changed. That's what happens with, with Jacob. He's changed. He's altered. Maybe not for the better, we would think. But he's made weaker. But this newfound weakness forces him to rely on the Lord for his strength. And he actually limps into battle against his brother's army. This is not uncommon behavior for God, by the way. If you feel like you're facing something difficult and you feel weakened before you go into it, that's very biblical. I hate to warn you of that. But time and time and time again, when we are preparing for battles, the Lord will weaken us before we go into it to force us to rely on his strength. Again, two hours after I got the dates booked for Foster Family Christmas, the community center called me and said, you don't have a church in the month of December. (laughs) What? Right? That was the Lord going, because we can't do the Foster Family Christmas without him, and maybe we wouldn't lean on him enough there. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But it's okay sometimes when you're weakened, and you have to limp into battle. He limped in to face Esau, right? With 400 people about to fight him. Just, just, this is just like the story we spoke of a few weeks ago when the, the nation of Israel limps into battle against Jericho after all of them have been circumcised. Remember we are talking about this? 40,000 men circumcised and they go into battle? Ouch. <laughs> right? Right? But that's what the Lord does. He, he will change you, alter you, take away some of your flesh, make it to where you're seemingly weaker um, so that you can, you can go into this battle I put in my notes today, God will make you temporarily weak so that you can become eternally strong. And I've seen that time and time again in my life, that sometimes he does have to take something off my hip. Sometimes he has to bend my arm back. Sometimes he has to do these little things that seem like these minor inconveniences in my life, and they seem like they're making things harder for me. But ultimately, they make me rely on him more, and then the battle becomes his, not mine. And so, to be one of God's children... You have to submit to his ultimate authority in your life. It's not just Jacob that wrestles with the Lord. Every single one of us will. And when we submit to his authority in our life, that is when we get this new identity. And it's the same even in marriage, right? Remember how Ephesians chapter 5 talks about how this relationship in marriage between husband and wife is the same between Christ and the church? Okay, well, I've done my fair share of weddings. And I've, you know, people don't like it anymore in the vows when you say to the bride to love and honor and submit to your husband, yeah, not a lot of brides are asking me to put that in there anymore, okay? I still will sometimes if I feel that they understand it. I won't put it if I don't understand. I'll say respect and honor, okay? Because a lot of people don't understand what that word submit means at all, at all. But it's the same way when we, in our relationship, the way we submit to the Lord, okay? When we submit 
We receive a new identity, just like in marriage. Mm-hmm. What happens? When the bride submits to her husband, she receives a new last name. Mm-hmm. It's the same way when Jacob submitted to the Lord in this wrestling match. He's no longer Jacob. He's no longer deceiver. He's now Israel. It's the same. Everything in our marriages is designed to depict the relationship between us and the church. I can't describe that enough. So, so uh, do, you know what, do you know what it actually means to submit? Well, you've got to think about it like as if we were really wrestling. Now, I wish I could show. But if, I was really, if we're really wrestling, okay, remember what happens. Somebody goes down, okay? Somebody's shoulders hit the mat, okay? And the other person is on top of them. That's what it means to really submit. And so what happens in this moment when the shoulders hit the mat and the other person is on top? What actually happens is you're covered. You're under cover. Do you get that? So when I'm here and I have made this person submit to my will, what that actually means is I'm now covering them. It doesn't mean that I'm hurting them. It means that I'm now protecting them. So if, I'm, if they're submitting to me, if, the, if I'm submitting to the Lord, and my shoulders hit the mat and I surrender my life to Him and He goes, He's now covering me. Now if a storm or a wind or a rain or a difficult season comes my way, He's shielding me. He's protecting me. That's what it means when I submit to, to His will in my life. Right? And it's, it's supposed to be the same in our marriages. Mm-hmm. When, I'm, when a wife submits to her husband, it's not, it's not saying, I'm going to run you down. It's saying, I'm going to protect you. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm your covering. I'm your shelter. That's what, it, that's what that's designed to mean. And so, to submit means to position yourself under the covering of. And when we do this, we always receive a new identity. In Christ, we become His chosen children, just like Jacob, Israel, the chosen child are placed under His covering when we submit to our lives. I want to look at one last verse, and it's verse uh, number 28. And we talked about this a little bit ago, but it's 32, 28, and it just says, Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, because you have wrestled with me, because your shoulders have hit the mat, and you've surrendered, and you've submitted, from now on, you will be called Israel. Because... You have fought with God and with men and have won. I thought that was interesting this week. He won. How did he win? Did anything in that story make it sound like he won? I wrestled him all night long until he ripped out my tendon and I limped away. I don't think this is one of those you should have seen the other guys kind of thing. Oh, you should have seen the other guy. No, no, no. He won because he lost. His old self. He lost who he used to be. At that place where he saw the face of God, he lost, but he won a new identity. He won the covering of God. And now God says, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm going to prepare a way for you. These promises are true for you today as well. If you're in your wrestling match and you're still caged match with the Lord today, if you will submit and surrender, he's saying, I'll give you a new identity. You'll win. You win. Because you're willing to lose your old self and submit to my will for your life, you will win. Jesus says in the gospel, anyone who wants to gain life must first lose themselves. There is victory unimaginable. Unimaginable in the submitting of our will to the Lord. And spoiler alert, the title of the next chapter is Jacob and Esau make peace. Because when you submit to the Lord's will for your life, peace is always around the corner.
Always. He is always going to supply peace when you're under his covering. So, there may be some of you in here this morning, and you need to quit trying to make God submit to your plans, and you finally just need to submit to him. Because you're awake at night wrestling and struggling and battling with things and choices that you've made. And the Lord wants to get you along and He wants to wrestle with you so that you don't have to wrestle against that army of 400 people that Esau has waiting for you. If you will fight with Him in the night and submit to His will, He'll say, I'll fight that battle for you. I'll take care of that for you. And peace will come in your life. I never met a person that submitted to the Lord's will and did not live a life of peace. Never in my life. Let's sing, let's sing a song together this morning. Just, if you want to stand or sit, let's just pray for a moment. And... Just close our eyes for a second. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, the wisdom that comes from it. Lord, we just we just thank you for the time where we can meet with you and we can just draw from your word like a well. Lord, when we come together like this, we're just dropping our bucket. Lord, and we never, we never, it never comes back empty. Every time we bring back this living water, Lord, this this that produces life. And Father, I just pray that you touch every heart, Lord, in this, in this place, in both of these rooms, that you would touch every heart, Lord. And right now, in the name of Jesus, you would reveal an area, or maybe even their whole life, where they're wrestling, and they're fighting, and they're losing. And Lord, that, that we just speak over them right now, that your word says, if they will submit to you in this moment in time, it won't matter who they were, it will only matter who you're going to make them. It doesn't matter that you were the deceiver. It didn't matter that Peter was Simon. It didn't matter that Paul was Saul. When we encounter you, everything changes, Lord. Lord, there there is not a single person in this room whose past matters at all. This morning, if they're willing to tap out, submit their life to you, Lord, Everything would change and peace would come upon them in an unspeakable manner like they've never experienced or even heard about before. And so, Lord Jesus, with every eye in this room closed and everyone's head bowed, I just say prick upon the hearts of those who need to submit or submit greater to your will, Father. And I just ask that those people that want to receive that from the Lord today, if they would just lift their hands And just submitting in every country in the world, if you're being chased by someone and you lift both your hands, it means I quit. I surrender. Quit running after me. Quit putting me in the armbar, Lord. My hands are lifted high. I submit everything to you. It is all yours anyway. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name.